0: Welcome to the latest Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am joined by Bradley Halsman, Director of In Motion Sports Agency. How's it going, Bradley?
1: Very well. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's very kind of you. No worries. It's, it's great to have you on.
0: As you've got a background in football in terms of playing, and you've got a couple yeah. of businesses within football that are that are really interesting to me, and I'm sure will be really interesting to the to the listeners as well. Yeah. So at the moment you have uh, you represent a lot of uh, a number of talented youngsters in the SPFL. Uh, yep. I think your first client was Tom Lang, Clyde. Clyde the Fairwell defender, but it was recently yes. on loan at Clyde. Uh, but before that, you count Aberdeen, Motherwell, and Partick Thistle uh, amongst clubs you used to play for. Could you tell us yep. about about your football career?
1: Totally. Well, when I grew up, I signed pro U Forms with Aberdeen. Um, and my big brother went full time. And when I turned 15, went to Motherwell, went full-time with Motherwell, and my big brother and myself were actually in the same changing room. He was in the reserve team, and I was in the under-20s, so that was quite an interesting experience. And (laughs) then I get let go, unfortunately, only after one year in full-time at Motherwell, and signed for Patrick Thistle. I went there for two years. So, unfortunately, with my football career, it never really got going. There was lots of promise. There was lots of – was there lots of opportunities? I don't know. Probably points in my career – the opportunities could have been grabbed a little bit more by myself, but I just never managed to make that final breakthrough. Played a couple of games in the first team for Patrick Thistle, and then when they got into the Premiership under Alan Archibald, I remember sitting there thinking, right, brilliant, I'm close for Archie. He's a good guy. I was captain of the reserves. He quite likes me. We chat all the time. Normally managers don't really engage with a lot of players sometimes, but Archie was always on it with me. And then they come into his office and says, right, Archie, what's happening next season? What am I looking at? And he goes, I've got nothing here for you. And I thought, oh, no, I was not ex- well, was expecting I don't know, I'm probably 50-50, but I thought Archie would have done me a turn. And then from there, I just thought, no, that, that's enough for me. Like I can't keep fighting for one-year contracts here and there. My agent managed to get me a couple of trials at some different clubs, but I just wasn't interested. At that point, I just thought, I, I don't want somebody else to determine the rest of my career, no matter what it is. I need to take things into my own hand. I've always been interested in business. Whilst I was playing football, I wasn't on the best of money at Partick Thistle. I was only on one year contract, so I had to have different revenue streams coming in to, to support a lifestyle that I'd like to live. Um, so when I decided to leave, I knew I was going to step into setting up my my own couple of businesses, which also we can, we can dive into whenever you like.
0: Because you you see a lot of uh, a lot of players will just kind of sc- uh, scrap and do everything they can to, yeah. to stay in the game. Was it just I've just a bad experience? Was it just a bad experience
1: at Partick Thistle that just, just... No, well, I'll be honest with you. Partick Thistle was actually great. And Motherwell, I actually never really enjoyed. Going into Motherwell, uh, I didn't enjoy the experience sometimes of... Uh, just, just stepped out of school. I wasn't a big fan of... uh, The head of youth was it was a, a, a great coach, but I never seen really eye-to-eye mm. with a couple of the staff members and stuff like that, which was unfortunate. Um, And then when I get let go, just after a year, Partick Thistle was a, a great experience. It just... Never really made that breakthrough, so it's on myself. I can't blame anybody else other than myself, unfortunately. Um But I've seen the the great side of football, where boys that I've played with have went on to have amazing careers. But I've also seen the ninety percent of the boys I've played with are now scaffolders or stacking shelves somewhere. Like, and they were talented, talented boys that mm. dedicate their lives to it. So I just at the end of my contract decided, I I need to take this into my own hands now. I can't allow. Myself to be derailed in any way. So, um, I, I, amazing experiences within football. I met some amazing people, but I was uh, the the best decision I've ever made was stepping away from it.
0: Interesting, interesting, because it seems from pretty early on you had your head switched on in terms of making that transition from footballer to career after football. Even though you were just kind of uh, breaking through, at Partick thistle, and so on. What was your first step into in, into business? Am I right in it? Was looking at kind of analysis of youth games.
1: It was, well, my first step was actually coaching, okay. um, where what was happening was somebody just asked me if I could take the child for a one-to-one session, and I said, that's absolutely no fine, and this must have been about eight years ago, what would have been then, i would have been 18, 19, probably at Partick Thistle at this point, mm-hmm. and I said, that's fine, that one child then turned into a second child, a third child, and it just spiraled into like, I was taking 20 sessions a week, which was excellent. Um, and you've got to remember, at that point, I was only on maybe 120 quid a week at Partick Thistle, and I was making 400 to 500 pound a week in one-to-ones. So when I get let go, I thought that I'm not too bothered because I've got a financial thing here that I can maybe spiral into a, a good wee business for myself. Um, whereas I noticed at the end of my contract at Partick Thistle, um, my agent done everything he could to try and sort some stuff out, but it was a case of me turning to my agent and saying. I've not got anything anymore. Like, what do we do? And it's dead reactive instead of them knowing, like, what my stats are. i have got a CV. We've got video footage. We've got a catalogue of uh, material for this young boy. If he gets released, we can now give him this information and we can go to all these different clubs. So I set up a business with two of my friends, and it was called League Leading Development and Analysis. And that was the aim of it, was when people step away from their contracts – We've worked with them all year round to deliver a high quality CV, video footage, analysis on their game to help them improve. And then stats at the end of the year, they can help sell them to the clubs, like minutes that they scored per game, all these different aspects. Um, and so that's what was my first business that I stepped into.
0: Was that around kind 2012,
1: 2013? Many years ago now.
0: So that, that would have been, I don't know the specific dates, but have been around the time or before kind of Y-Scout, uh, certainly be, before Y-Scout came popular and like Scout yep. 7, these these kind of machinations yep. that are kind of really totally. useful to clubs now.
1: They were just happening at the exact same time that we launched and they were starting to get a real foothold in the market. Mm-hmm. All the clubs were starting to take in Y-Scout. Um, so we wanted to try and tie in with these clubs. That's how we, we would get footage from Y-Scout download it, and then we could an, analyse it for teams like Kamarnik, we were doing it for, it was Alan Johnson who was the manager at that yep. point. We were doing all his analysis for him, kind of out, outside of the club for him. Uh, we had done a little bit of work, we Dundee done the United, and then our, you know Tony Ashgar that is now the sporting yep. director. So we rented, Tony was my agent, and we rented space from Tony um, in his office, and he kept getting in his, all these different clubs to try and sell his product. So unfortunately, what did we do that for? About 18 months, There's only so far you can go with a business until you think, I don't know if we've got the maybe the best of product or we've not got the expertise to really take this to the next level. So my coaching setup was already doing really well. So I decided that I was gonna take a step away from it and just solely focus on building our coaching business.
0: So moving on to your coaching business, it's one to one coaching, is that that that's right, isn't it?
1: One to one sports coaching, yep. One to one sports coaching.
0: What is it that you, say? Is it you do? Is it just to kind of um, young players, just giving them kind of bespoke coaching to to benefit them uh, personally?
1: So the idea was that a young kid, uh, maybe playing for, say, a boys club like St. Caddocks, eight years old, he's getting training from his parents two or three nights a week, or maybe even once a week, he's playing a game on a Saturday. If we can give him the opportunity to train with a professional footballer, for say it's £25 what we charge for a one-to-one session, we can now allow this footballer that was on maybe the same wage I was on at 18, 19 years old to now have a second revenue stream and do one-to-one coaching with all these different children all in the same position. It gives the child a role model to look up to, somebody that might be playing at Dumbarton every single week playing part-time football, and it gives the professional footballer a second revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So every coach that we've got on board right now uh, we've got 25 coaches. They're all from Scottish League 2 all the way up to what's the highest one would be Scottish Championship, all playing part-time and a couple full-time. And it just helps them like, look at the football, coach kids, think about the game differently because they're so used to getting coached all their life. Now they've got the time, that they, the stuff that they've put into practice, they can explain to kids. Um, so it's a, it's a great experience for everybody that's involved in it. That's why it's went so well. Normally, when you're looking at the one to one training, it can be a lot of just one man bands and maybe just community coaches. But we've got a set up of all professional footballers training with bespoke, uh, tailored exercises for certain individuals of all ages and all abilities. We get kids all the way. Our first ever kid was three years old. Oh. <laughs> they came in, and which was a, it was a funny story. We got an email, and they're still our customer today. We um we got on really well with the dads and the boys and an outstanding footballer he plays for Celtic and Rangers. He's only eight years old and the both clubs are kind of fighting over him. Um, but at three years old, his dad messaged in and he goes, "I've seen your stuff online. It looks amazing. We would love for my boy to come in. He's only three years old. Though. Can can he come in for a couple of sessions?" And we, myself and Andrew, my partner, we looked we are like, "We can't have a three-year-old coming in <laughs> and charging it. Like, they're probably coming in a nappy, much charging twenty-five pounds." To like kick the ball, it it's like we want to offer of value like there's not much we could do maybe that the parent can't do or mm-hmm. could go get five group sessions at that age for the price of what we would charge and the dad was added, no no we'll come in we'll take a break every 15 minutes and the little man came in and he was outstanding to be fair he just loved it he took it straight away the lovely left foot and then from there he just came all the way through with us and he's eight years old now he does a couple of sessions a week and then we'll get Kids all the way from twenty-one years old to thirty years old that come through. and uh, it, We're open to everybody. We don't uh, just specialise on like advanced footballs. Anybody that wants to come in, get fitter, get better, we work hard with them.
0: Yeah, because I, I was looking at the. I've been looking at Instagram this week, yep. and they just like the drills. They just just look fun because I've I've I remembered football <laughs> training used to be quite mundane and because you were uh, all in a group then you you know there was that aspect of you're standing around for a lot of time and there wasn't that much contact with the ball that um,
1: coaches and managers really wanted to have. 100% I'm thankful enough that I've been doing one-to-ones for eight years now and I know by listening to customers feedback I know what everybody's looking for they're looking for intensity lots of touches on the ball good proper coaching with direction from the coach not too much information just good points for the child to be scanning her shoulder taking the ball on her back foot all these different things so with eight years of experience in it and me still being like fit and young and be able to do all the exercises with them training at a high tempo the kids come off the session and the parents go wow we've never experienced anything like that it's a bit of a wow factor when they come down and they When they come down to Goals, Glasgow South, which is in Mm Shawlands, that's where one of our venues that we train at. And at points, we can have eight, nine coaches all on at the same time, all on different pitches. So when they come down now, it's not like a one-man band. They come down and think, right, this is a proper setup. All the equipment, all the coaches are like young professional footballers and everything's at a high tempo. So that's probably what's been the difference between ourselves growing so fast and maybe other companies that have just kind of stayed at a small level.
0: It's been 10, 15 minutes. We've not even mentioned uh, the, current, uh, the current climate. So how, how have you had to adapt the, with the coaching in, uh, oh, in the last couple of months?
1: It's been an absolute nightmare, to be fair. Um, <laughs> we, we were, to like, be honest, I think we were going up right until the very last minute because it's a livelihood at the end of the day. We were waiting until somebody says, right, you cannot do this anymore because we're looking at all the grey areas thinking, are we okay? It's only one-to-one. We'll keep our distance. We'll get hand sanitizers. Like, it was our living, so we're trying to, as much as we could, keep it going. And then it came to a point where, like, if if something happens here, like, our brand that we've been developing for six years is, like, up in smoke. So we had to stop it, when was that, a couple of months ago now, when Boris Johnson put us on lockdown? Um, So that was a bit of a nightmare. We have not been doing any coaching, unfortunately. We have just been putting exercises out for the kids to be training, and everything's free of charge. They spend a lot of money with us through the year that we can't turn around at this point when I'll be honest with you, everybody's struggling, everybody's mm-hmm. dealt the pinch, first turn around and go, right, we've got a Zoom class now, it's going to be £15 a head, like, it doesn't make sense, we'll just sit back, put out exercises, talk to all the kids and all the parents, making sure they're fine and, and they're mentally okay and ready to come back to training once we get the go-aheads, which is hopefully soon, um, but until then, the, the climate's changed, we've not been able to do a thing, unfortunately.
0: And so the main reason I got you on was I, I think I came across you when you interviewed Graham Maffey for your yes. podcast, then Motion Sports Agency podcast. I really enjoyed it, so I listened to Tom Lang and then Brilliant. got in touch because I thought it would be a really interesting interesting chat. Yep. How did you how did you make the transition from so you went from football player to, to coach and now into representing
1: players? So the the first step was I would never go into this blindly. I had experience mm-hmm. in being a client liaison manager with a company called Mobile Sports Management, which was Burton O'Brien, his brother and his dad. And I went in there for about 18 months and I helped them out looking after players. So I was already doing deals in the SPFL at the age of 21, looking after like Christy Elliott, who's now at Dundee. he was doing his deal with Partick Thistle alongside Burton and Mark. So I already had experience and I always knew I would go on and do my own thing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I left them, I, I just concentrated on the coaching for a couple of years. And then I thought, you know what? I would love to go and give a try hand at uh, representing my own client list now. Uh, the idea was that I would always do it in the future, that we've got 170, 180 kids at one-to-one sports coaching that I've looked after since they've been babies. And some are now at Celtic Rangers that are top, top young players. And the idea would, their natural footpath would go from me coaching them into them turning 16 I'm already close with the family. I'm already tight with the kid that we, we've worked hard with each other for for many years. That I would then go on to represent them, but instead of mean three years time, not having any experience and just turn and go right, I'll represent you now that you're 16 years old. We'll look after each other. Um, I'm saying let's go meet, let's do it now, at and three years in advance. Go get experience. Go look after boys that are, I think are emerging talent. Mm. By the time they turn 16. They'll then turn round to me and go, Bradley. We've seen what you've done the last three, four years. Like, can you now look after my boy and help them out? So it was always a long-term project, but it's actually went ten times better than I ever thought it was going to. Um, just because it started, it myself and Tom Lang with friends. He coached in my uh, one-to-one sports coaching, and we're sitting down one day, and we were in the Orchard Park in the south side of Glasgow, and we were just watching the, the football. And we're just talking about football, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to set up an agency like in the future." And he goes, "Brad, if you'd done that now, like I would sign with you." And that got me thinking. Then I spoke to another boy, uh, they played with St. Mirren, and then they decided, "You know what? Like, wh- why would I hold back right now?" And, uh, Let's just go for it. So, launched it. Tom signed. Sam Jameson signed. Then Jay Henderson, who's an outstanding talent. It's at Mirrin's, a Scottish youth cap international now. I've got three boys at Hearts, Dundee. Like, it's really spiraled into something. Now boys are reaching out to me and I'm having to knock them back because I spend so much time, I spend so much money on each client that I can't just be going out and casting a big net and having 100 players. And all of a sudden, it turns around and goes, oh, Bradley just takes in anybody. And you know. So I'm being selectful on who I think I can add value to and develop and then in return in a couple of years' time, that's when the finances all come it. So it's been a great start to it and I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the aspect of the, the agency side of football.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think kind of, they joined up almost halfway yep. from uh, football into coaching and working with these young players and then being able to build those relations, uh, relationships because I'm guessing that's one, that's one of the biggest aspects for an agent to do uh, the, job, the job really well and look after a client is that strong relationship.
1: Totally. No, it really is. If you've got no contacts, you're worth nothing to your player. Like if he's signed with you and at the end of his contract you turn around and it's just a guessing game instead of right now I've got a young lad I won't mention the club because everything's up in the air and all contracts are up in there. Mm-hmm. but there's a 50-50 chance he'll get kept on or they won't get kept on because the clubs are all over the place. Some don't even know what league they're playing in, all these different things. It's a bit of a nightmare. So for instead of him turning around in a couple of weeks' time and go, right, I've just been told by the club I've not got a contract, I've already got teams lined up for him in different countries and also part-time here as well that clubs are looking to go back full-time. Like, a couple of options for them um and that's just through relationships and 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 understanding the market at the moment as well contacts are everything in football that's another reason that actually started the podcast the podcast is obviously to try and build a personal brand Mm -hmm. and show people like the kind of there's only so much personality and character you can put out in a photo sometimes the people need to hear you and understand what they kind of the aspect of football, how you, you engage in the game and how you look after your clients. So if people hopefully listen to the podcast, they'll hopefully see that. But the main reason was I'm not trying to go into clubs and be a hard sell and go, right, I've got this player, that player, like this, do a deal. If I can then open up doors for a podcast. I've never met Graham Matthew before, mm-hmm. but Graham Matthew is the decision maker at Hibs. So for me to reach out to Graham and say, I've, I really enjoy listening to people like yourself and the role that you play within that Hibs, which I think is such a fascinating role being in charge of transfers and, and contract negotiations like I absolutely love it so for me to reach out and say can I hear your story can we get a chat I can then spend 15 minutes before the podcast getting a chat about football like the aspects of my players his players we do a podcast to build a relationship and then at the end of it there's another 15 minutes where we say right that was excellent I'll send this over to you and now we're texting back and forth so there's a new relationship a new contact that I've now got that I never had before so that is now just building relationships and building the agency as much as possible
0: he is definitely certainly in the, the last few years since I've started to cover more games and kind of build more co- contacts and speak to people he's, I think he's one of the nicest guys
1: I've ever come across he's, he's so nice brilliant. he was honestly like he couldn't have done enough as well he could not have done mm. enough like Obviously, I'm new to doing a podcast. I've done four so far. So it's, you know yourself, it's quite hard not to like, jump in and talk, especially through Zoom, because what happens is the mics end up like cutting each other off, and it just sounds like a, a blur at points. Yeah. So I noticed that, who did I do one with? It was my second one. Oh, I, I think it might have been Tom's that I realized that I was trying to interrupt him and all these different things. So I just let Graham talk, and he just kept going on, and he was like, I'll give you this story, I'll give you that. And he was just being dead honest. And at the end, I thought, you know what? He was spot on there. Like, he came across brilliantly. And you can see why he's made that step up and to be a, a key decision-maker at him. So Yeah, I think I he, he's, a,
0: he's very much a forward thinker. The the whole, yeah. I, I remember doing a story, he kind of touched on it on your podcast. He's got a big, big thing about the age of young players. People born in one half of the year outperform players born in another. It's just really, yeah. really, really fascinating.
1: A hundred percent.
0: How has, I'm going to come back to the, the current climate with uh, yeah. the uncertainty over player contracts. You, you mentioned that you, clubs don't know what uh, division they're going to be playing in. But before I come to that, how has your how has your own experience shaped what you do in with with your
1: agency? That's a great question. I tell you what, I'm the agent that I wish I had when I was younger. So the the agents I had were all brilliant, but it was once I've done a contract, like that's when they were there for me instead of that. Every couple of weeks, having information about my career, what's going on, what's going on within the club. like The boys that I representing it now, I know everything about them. I know when they're playing, how many minutes they've played, how many goals they're scoring. If they're injured, instead of them having to tell me, I already know all the information. So I can engage in knowledgeable conversations with them. Um, and I care because I've got it all to prove. Because I'm, I'm 27 years old and I'm representing 14 players now. And there's guys out there that are 50, 60 years old that have been doing it for 25 years. I've got the fire in my belly, the hunger to go and outwork these guys and do better deals than them. So if I had myself as an 18-year-old boy represent me, I'd have absolutely loved it. I would have really, really enjoyed the experience of somebody being so passionate about my career. Um, And even myself, where I only signed one-year contracts, and that was just an absolute farce because there was no security. Six months later, you're thinking, "Ah, oh, like, where is my next step here? Like, it was never at any point in my career did I feel secure and felt as though I could like, develop as much as possible. So I'm constantly fighting for longer-term contracts for the players that I represent. The boys that I'm actually currently looking after at the moment, I've only got two players that are out of contract this summer. The rest are all signed up for next year. Which is great. Mm-hmm. And whereas other agencies will be thinking right like, now, we've got thirty boys out of contract right now, what we're we gonna do, we're gonna have to get them different jobs, like everything will be a mess for them. I've got two boys and I've already got situations sorted for them already that if things go wrong at their club, that I can already have organizations taking them in. So I would say my experience as a player has definitely shaped my personality and character as a, an intermediary these days.
0: So do you think if you Back, going back to your party, those days had an yep. agent who was more, kind of, was more on top of you. Was really focused on what what you do and was really wanting the best. Or do you think he uh, that they might have been able to direct you to stay within the professional game?
1: Um, well, I'll be honest with you, Tony did. Like Tony was brilliant. He mm. tried to keep me in his professional. I remember him phoning me one night, and he, like I got on really well from him, and he absolutely slaughtered me because I was meant to go to Dumbarton for like a trial, and I went in and I done absolutely brilliant. And one of my pals was already there. And I was like, how much are you on here? And he told mm-hmm. me how much he's on. And I, he was, I was like, mate, I can't be on that. Like, I'll be on something like this. And he goes, Brad, you're like 20 years old. You'll be on the same as me. And I thought, I'm not signing here then. Like, no chance. So the next time Tony said, I'll set that up for you. You should be going in and play. So I had already had in my head that I was going to go away and set up this analysis business. Mm-hmm. So Tony said, like, what, what are you up to? Like, you, you've got to play football. You're too young. You're too good a player. That I know you've had a wee couple of bumps in the roads, but if you go and play 20 games in a first team, that you could be 22, and you could go back and play at a high level. So he was constantly making sure, but no matter if he only done a contract for me, or if he was constantly on me, my decision was already made. I was stepping away from it. I went in and seen him in his office, and I had my, like, Product ready to like go and show people, and then Tony went like, "I like this. Like, let's do some work together. I'm going to have an office in the West End. I'll give you half the room for a dead cheap price. I'll get you into clubs." So he was excellent. To be fair, it's me. It's my fault. I failed. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> you,
0: you touched on it there. the, the whole. Perception that footballers are uh, are well paid, but, but yeah. within Scotland, it's you yeah. really have to work it. So it's, it's only kind of like a slight few clubs where you are on 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 very good money. I think that's kind of forgotten 100%. by fans, especially fans who th- in this time were like, "Oh, footballers should be
1: taking pay cut." You you probably seen I don't know if you seen it, Joe, and it was the interview with Stuart McCall and who did they do it with. It might have been like an Ibrox, um, sorry, a Rangers mm-hmm. podcast, and they were talking about different parts of his managerial career. And he spoke about Craig Reeds at Motherwell scoring the winning goal against Aberdeen and yep. like the 90th minute. And he co-poked in and then that was them in Europe, I'm sure it was. And then Craig was on a pound a week. He went in there just to play and they're like, we can't offer you any money, but we'll give you a win bonus if we win. So if they lost or drew that week, he was getting a pound. So fans might not have seen that and might have been slaughtering him, saying you're the worst, or whatever they thought of him. They never seen that he was actually in there and he was only earning a pound a week. So that's the other side of football that a lot of people probably don't take into perspective. They see the, the fancy cars down south and the massive contracts that in Scotland. Like the the money in the top six is, if you're smart enough, the money that you are making in the top six, you can go on and invest well. When, when you've retired, you can still have like a steady stream of income that you've you, if you make that money work for you. But below that, like you're, you're not earning mega money that you can retire on at all. So uh, boys have just got to be careful and realise that, that if they want to make it, they need to get to the very top and they need to dedicate themselves to the sport.
0: How do you work with the young players? Do you kind <laughs> of you use your your experience that you kind of made this transition, you had something to fall back on? Is, this, is that something you, that you really kind of i home to your clients
1: it is, it's, I always talk to them and say what other passions have you got other than football like what does interest you and some might say I quite like psychology I like sports science others are, I like property and I'm going to say well once you've finished training like instead of you watching Netflix instead of you sitting there maybe it'd be a bad habit you might be going down the bookies like let's get rid of that and that's focus you on educating yourself and learning more about property, where you can invest or learning more about psychology, learning more I like, of coaching. I'm, I say oh, every player that signs with us, they've got an opportunity to come in and coach with us in the evenings. I will say that to them when they're 19 and they might have a couple of days off, say, listen, don't sit down. Like, Come in and do a couple of hours coaching with us and, and keep yourself active. So that's I, I want them to be laser focused on the football and not have any distractions but also have the understanding that they need to have passions in life and not just think, if football goes wrong, then I can't do anything. Like, that's me finished. And you've seen boys go into deep depressions that have stepped away from football, which is really sad to see. Whereas myself, when I stepped away, I thought, right, there's another opportunity here. Like, my mum and dad were thinking, well, what have you done? You've We've been <laughs> dropping you off since you've been a baby through all these different sessions. And then they've never been so much so prouder at this point in my life that they've seen what I went on to achieve by myself with no handouts so I'm not highly educated either left school at a young age with one higher, and it was PE like I failed business management and now I've got a couple of businesses so it just shows you that anybody if they've got the will to go on and follow a different passion that they can go and do it
0: the agents agents get a bad rap has got a kind of uh, is a Isn't cliche it? now the why do you think that suspicion exists and how does, how, how does your company kind of operate? How do you want it to operate to stand free from that kind of stigma?
1: Totally. So the main reason that that happens is previously the job had probably been very, very easy. So if you were an agent and you stepped into the game and there wasn't so much competition and you went and signed five players from Celtic, five from Rangers, and you've all of a sudden got these players that are earning basic salaries that are very, very big So we, and agency makes money off the gross income. So the way it would work is if I sign a player and I get my move to a club and he's on two grand a week, we would, the, the club would then pay an agency fee of whatever you've got tied into your contract with the player. But normally it's about 5% of the gross income. So the club would then pay that either in installments or as a lump sum when they start the contract or like once every year. However it works, it, it can vary club to club. Um, so back in the day, maybe footballers didn't need as much care Whereas now the culture's changed. The player needs a constant arm around the shoulder. Uh, they need to be checked up on. They have to have different services. I offer the players, my brother, is a fantastic personal trainer as well, a fund for the boys to go in three at a time. And I've got a boy from Hearts, Dundee, St-Mirin, all the same age, all kind of same body weight, all the same goal. We'll go in and train with Jordan and do a session. We've got a sprint coach ready for them over at the... Emirates Arena that they can go in at any time. So the aspect of working for the players has changed. Uh, the clubs back in the day just paid out agency fees with the agent probably just went in and done a deal. Now we're all working together with the clubs. The clubs have different aspects that they need to get players off the wage bill, build relationships with them. So the job as an agent, I think, has probably changed over the last 10 years. So it's a lot harder. Agents offer more value now than they did in the past. And the the stigma has probably came from past experiences that clubs hated dealing with these new agents who were coming in to do deals. Uh, when we done the Tom Lang deal to Dunfermline at the end of the, the deal, the Clyde walked away happy with the compensation we arranged with him. Tom was absolutely delighted with the move that he received to go back full time into a big club like Dunfermline or the sixth highest attended club within Scotland and if they do well next year, there's a good chance that they could end up getting promoted if they recruit well in the summer. Um, and it's an, an amazing experience for him to go back and play full-time football. So he was delighted. And then Dunfermline, at the end of the deal, I went in and spent an hour having a coffee with Ross McArthur. And he said, you've done more for us in this deal on securing Tom than any agent's done for us in years. So obviously they were happy to pay a fee. And he says, the agents just turn round and go, right, what's he again? What's he again? Right, I want this. And then sees later. Whereas we were constantly making sure that can we get the can we get a feed down for them? Can we get this form? Can we be realistic with the wage that the players going into instead of saying, right, we want two grand a week. We understand where the player's coming from from a league two club part-time into full time. So he's still got all to prove, hasn't played in a championship yet. So we're being empathetic with the club as well, instead of trying to just hard nose them all the time. And that then allows in six months' time I turn around and I've got two players that might be interesting to confirm. And the second I phone them and say, can you take these boys in trial? They go, yep, straight away, they're in. Whereas if I didn't approach it that way, they might have turned around and went, no, see you later, we can't stand this guy. And there's no relationship. So that's the difference between hopefully our agency is that we're building a network, we're building relationships and clubs now want to deal with us because they know we'll handle it in the right way. So yeah,
0: it's it's really interesting. You talk about that relationship with Dunfermline, Fairman, the work you put yeah. in, because again, it's, it's something that fans maybe don't don't get. They don't get that peek behind the curtain in terms of yeah. what happens with what happens during transfers, what agents do for their players. So, could you kind of examples or kind of talk through of how how you do work with clients and what kind of happens when a transfer or a new contract is, is signed.
1: Yeah, so I can just run you through like Tom's deal at Dunfermline, where at the end of his contract we had a number of clubs interested. because Tom is under twenty-three and he's trained and played with Clyde for it was 18 months. Clyde are then due compensation and it's what I said development fee for training him. Instead of him just going away for nothing, they're due money. But at that point we were getting quoted like high numbers where we want this number for him. And it was almost like a transfer fee. Whereas yeah. you, can't actually, you can't make the number up because it's a training fee. So how much money it costs you to train, travel, all these different things have to get broken down and how long he's been there, how much he's earned. And then you come to a number. It's like, instead of saying, right, we want this, it doesn't make sense. It has to actually be a calculated number that makes sense how much it's cost you. So Clyde will turn around and go to Tom, right, we want this for you. And then we go, well, nobody's ever going to pay that. So we now have to work with and tell them how much they want, and Dunfermline go, well, we're not going to do that. And it's my job to then get from Clyde's to that number, to Dunfermline saying that they're not paying it, to eventually come together and mediate the a uh, deal that's creative and everybody walks away happy with. Um, so the way that we'd structure would then, instead of a big lump sum, Clyde's receive a fee up front, a fee over Tom's two-year contract, a sell-on fee, and then a pre-season game in July, oh, hopefully it's on now, Do you realise that? I was like saying that. That's brilliant. Uh, a pre-season game in July 2020 that Clyde will receive all gate receipts. So in the end, it ends up a lot of money, but Dunfermline don't have to pay it up front. So it's, it's my job to come up with that and make sure everybody's happy and keep selling. Instead of Dunfermline looking at other options, I need to keep them interested and keep telling them how good Tom is how well he's going to go and fit in. Unfortunately, he had to go back out and loan to like go in this year, but he's only 22-23, so it, it will break through and he'll get his opportunity. But it's my job to make sure that when Tom goes away on holiday, so he went to Florida for two weeks, and I promised him that when he returns, that he'll get his move. So when he returned like on the day that he came back from Florida, we went to Dunfermline to go and sign the contract. Whereas he was, he left to go on a holiday almost in tears thinking he wasn't going to go anywhere because the fee was too high. So that's the job of an agent is to make sure that the player doesn't get bullied as our young lads that might not know any better and realising that everything's negotiable. Everything we can work together on. Clubs aren't going to stand in the way. Like Clyde were amazing. They wanted the best for Clyde, which is totally understandable because mm-hmm. they've developed the player. They've went in and done well. they will get promoted. So they want money for what they've done with the player but they also understand that they can't stand in the way of a young boy that has to take the next step in his career. So you need to keep them happy, but also be realistic that you have to get the fee down. You need to get the money down in order for the club, the buying club, to stay interested. Once that's completed and you've managed to secure a fee, then you deal with the buying club on personal terms of the contract of the player. And by that point, we'd already already had an idea of what them firmly were going to offer. And it was already the number that we were hoping that Tom was going to get, going back mm-hmm. full-time. And then it's just my job to make sure that he's got a lengthy contract they secured, that the club's also secured as well. You don't want in a year's time that the club, hopefully that everything's okay with the climate, the club turn around and go, oh, we can't afford the wages, we need to get rid of them. It's a healthy club that he's going to. There's a pathway into the first team. um. So that's the steps, or- organising the deal and then organising the personal players' uh, ambitions and contracts as well.
0: You touched on it earlier on, that um, going from one-year contract to another one-year contract, one-year contract. Yep. Is, is, is it big for you, working with young players, that you, you you do try and can encourage a club to give them a bit more stability? Because in Scottish football, oh. it does seem, like you look at this, uh, this uh, end of May, over 110 yep. players, I think, are out of contract in the Scottish Premiership alone. So, it's, there does seem to be that uncertainty within the uncertainty.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm telling you, it is a ruthless business playing football. And if you are not a Ronaldo uh, boy playing in the English Premiership, that is a tough, tough living sometimes. Um, and just bouncing from contract to contract, like, city to city can, can be tough on people. But that's what, unfortunately... Yeah, that's what you sign up for you're a dedicated football once you're in a club and you're playing football unfortunately I never had the experience of playing football on a first team level week in week out on a Saturday but with the boys that when I was in the changing with them you could see the lifestyle that they're living like it is an amazing lifestyle like and they could go and work somewhere else in an office these boys are coming in playing in front of 10,000 people earning money enjoying a football like they and also the heroes to kids as well. Like boys at Partick Thistle when I was there, like Chris Doolans, Chris Erskine, had just came from the juniors. So they were also, I think they were 21 when they came in to the juniors. Spent a few years at Partick Thistle. And then when I came in, they were like the top boys. But they were so down to earth. They were two amazing guys. And they just always said, you don't realize how lucky you've got it, boys. Like We were doing all these like gardening and all these different jobs. <laughs> so no matter if you're not making the best of money. It doesn't really matter. Because the job that you are doing right now and experiences is it's the best job in the world.
0: My favourite agent story is uh, relates to Seth Johnson when he signed for Leeds, where he yeah. went in. They got offered. They were thinking they would get offered a certain amount. Then the Leeds put a number across them. The agent and Seth Johnson had to step outside uh, because <laughs> to discuss it, discuss it, and they just they were just standing there celebrating. So I'm, I'm oh, yeah. guessing not all. Kind of transfer negotiations or contract negotiations are as simple as that. How can, can no. it can it be can it be difficult? Can it be quite lengthy? The process?
1: Um, it can be, to be honest, because at the end of the day, the club or the, the agents clearly uh, got that market wrong at that point. He should know like how much the club are willing to pay, and then want to try push that up. But the club want to pay you as least amount of money as possible. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what they would like to do. Like they're a business as well, so if they can pay you. X that's going to keep the wage bill down and they can profit at the end of the day then they want to do that but it's the agent's job to drive up the wage for the player because we want them to over their hopefully 15 year career to make as much money as possible win trophies and have a lifestyle that when they turn 50 years old and they have children or maybe grandchildren whatever it is they can turn and go I've had an amazing career there I've earned a lot of money I've had amazing experiences and instead of having any regrets, they've just had this fantastic career. So it's the lengthy process of a contract can sometimes just be done like that, or it can drag on, depending on how demanding the player is as well. But the player might be unrealistic and he's like, oh, I've heard he's on this. And then you realise, well, that's it could be Kevin Nisbet that scored everything, every, one and two every every for the last three years, whatever it is. And you're trying to comp- you're going into that squad, and you're trying to compare what they might be getting, but you're going in as backup, whatever it is. You've just got to be realistic on the club's structure, the club's wage brackets with different ages and stuff.
0: You said about Tom when he went to Dunfermline, you had a kind of rough idea of what Dunfermline were going to offer. How how did you know that? How did you come up with that figure? Was it just was it just basically speaking of, with contacts and it initial is. conversations?
1: In the foot- football wages are always a fascination, aren't they? Like yeah, everybody's yeah. always dead interested. And it's always like a taboo subject as well. Like nobody talks about it. But within the game, everybody knows what everybody's earning. It's mm. quite incredible. Like everybody knows what the top players at that club earn. Um, it just it gets around. So I've got contacts in every single club. I know what the, the ballpark figures are within each club on certain positions, certain ages, certain what point in your career you're at as well. Like it's all comes into different aspects. You can't just have a 19-year-old boy unless you're a, unless you're David Turnbull and you are a standout performer and Celtic could come in with three million, you can demand big money. But in youth if a youth level contracts, it's it can be hard to negotiate. As like Graham Matthew said the other day, they don't negotiate on youth player contracts. It's if you're 16 you get this. If you're 17 you get that if you're 18 you get this. And then once you went you made that transition and you've actually started to get a foothold in the game, then they'll discuss uh, like your bonuses and your if you've made twenty appearances, you'll then get a new contract. All these different things. Uh, so that's where an agent's got to realise as well that when young boys are getting contracts, you need to be realistic and realise that it's not about the money; it's about the development of the player at this point. And then once they get into first team, then you work with the player and you know. You should know at that point what first team players are getting at that club. So I've grew up with captains of every club in Scotland through through playing with them. Um, so I know just speaking to them all what the wages are in all these different clubs, which helps. Instead of going in blind, you need to understand uh, the numbers. Because you get laughed out of the room as well. If, as an agent, if you go in and go, right, we want this. And they're like, how did you come up with that? Like, you have to understand the numbers in the game.
0: Now we're approaching the summer transfer window. You, yep. you said it there. You've, uh, you've been in uh, the in motion for 14 months or so. Yep. No one really knows. No one really knows what's what's Nobody. what's happening, what the future is. But how how do you foresee this summer's transfer window operating?
1: No money being spent at all. Loan signings. Um, a lot of boys, unfortunately, will get put out of the game. There's only so many. Cut, there'll be cuts in every department. And the biggest uh, overhead in a football club is players' wages. So clubs will look to make cuts at players' wages, which is unfortunate, Um, really is. Hopefully over the next couple of years, that will start to steadily build back up into a market that's uh, where it's previously been at. Uh, Agents will fall out the game as well, because if I'm going into a club and trying to get an agency fee for a player that they would they would pay for previously. They might turn around and go, we're not doing anything this year. So agents will get disheartened and fall away. But everybody, if you get the will for this and realise it's just a blip in your journey, you'll get through it. Um, in terms of boys out of contract, we'll need to look at other options. We need to look abroad. We need to look at leagues they might not have thought of um, playing in to, to begin with. I've just done a podcast with Stephen Lennon, who mm-hmm. was at Rangers, um, and he was he scored a hat-trick in the Youth Cup final, if you remember, years ago. Him and John Fleck absolutely ripped up, beat Celtic 5-0 at Hamden, And that week signs a new three-year deal. He did not expect himself to then go in a couple of years' time to be playing in Iceland. But my big brother played in Iceland with him. If you go over to Iceland, he is the David Beckham of the country. Like, he's the best foreign export that's ever played in the country. He earns very good money. He's got an amazing girlfriend, a kid's. Uh, And he's had a fantastic career that not many players would have thought could go out to Iceland and happen. So the boys have got to open their minds and realise that this uh, pandemic has completely shifted the whole marketplace. But be open-minded to now look at different areas instead of you thinking Scotland and then England. Can you go Scotland? They might have to go to Poland like Barry Douglas did. And he went and played, was it Leisure Warsaw or something? And then he went down to Wolves. So there's different routes that you can take. So hopefully this we take it as an opportunity for boys to realise that Scotland is an amazing place for them to develop and hopefully have a great career. But it's not the be all and end all. If it doesn't happen here, look at other options in the pathway of your career. You mentioned it, the fact I think only two of your clients are out of contract.
0: Yeah. In, out of contract this summer. For for those players out of contract, when does when does a lot of that business happen? Because obviously you look at. I think clubs can speak to players after when it's six months left six months, in, in, yeah. in their deal. Could you, can you explain the process for players out of contract, whether it's going to be negotiating a new contract or if there's talks already between the club about them moving on?
1: It varies club to club. So, for instance, I've got a young boy at Hearts that is getting let go at the end of his contract and he plays for the under-18s. And it's John Rankin that takes under-18s there. And he told me in, was it December, January? So that's six months before the player's contract uh, expires at the end of the year. He sat the player down and I also told myself that he's not quite uh, developed the way we'd like him to. He's a couple of injuries, there's boys ahead of him. There might be a better opportunity to put another club. So that's amazing because Ranks has now given me six months to prepare for this young player. And the player also appreciates that as well. Whereas I've got boys right now who are in the same position, they're out of contract so they can sign with other clubs but the club haven't told them yet if they're getting a new deal. So we can't properly prepare. I'm talking to clubs and telling them, this boy's out of contract. Would you like to look at him? They're like, yes, definitely. And I'm saying, right, but it might not happen, because they actually might get a new deal. So they're just keeping them all on their toes. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But clubs are now realizing, well, not now realizing, over the last few years, the recruitment department has just become, you, you Live and die by your transfer windows. Managers are now judged on transfer windows. If a manager goes in like Jack Ross at Hibs and he inherits a squad and the fans understand that he's inherited a squad that's not his and he wants to get players out, he's judged it in two years, sorry, two transfer windows, the players that are out and the players in, now it's his squad, now he's getting judged. So the recruitment part of football has become so important. So therefore, clubs are taking a whole year to prepare and realizing in 12 months' time, that the club, the players they've been analysing for a year, now they want to sign. So clubs can vary. That might be a deal pops up in their desk, and they think that's a player would like. And two weeks later, they've done a deal. Or it could be six months, a year down the line, they've already been preparing, they've already had the analysis, the stats, and they've got a short list of players in each position. That if this one doesn't happen then they'll look at the second and then third. So it does vary club to club, Joe. Uh, you've seen yesterday in the paper, the head of recruitment at Celtic says he's currently looking at 240 players across the world for Celtic. So, there might be two positions he's trying to fill, but he's currently looking at 240 players. So it is just a mammoth task of looking at all these different players, realising the wages, how much you can get them for, what value they'll add, where they'll fit in your squad, will they be better than what you've currently got, because there's no point in signing somebody it's not going to better your squad. So the recruitment part of football is just something that completely fascinates me.
0: And sticking with that, you, you mentioned recruitment team, and you, you talked about it with Graham Matthew as well, that sporting directors are now a thing. They're, they're becoming more popular within Scottish football after a, kind, yes. a bit of resistance. You've got analysis teams, recruitment teams. Is, is that good for an agent? Do you think that you can now, rather than just having to kind of work that manager, you, you've, got, you've got a kind of actual team for recruitment? Totally.
1: It's The key thing is having a relationship with the, the decision-maker. Hmm. So if i am only got one contact in the club, and it might be, the, you need to understand that every club's different. Every club is the manager yeah. makes the final say. At the end of the day, it's the manager that makes the final say. But the key decision-maker in the club is will be the sporting director, the director of football, chief executive. If I've got a relationship with the chief scout, the chief scout's an old guy that's been there for 20 years, and they've... He hasn't got a real pull on the club at all. It's just focusing on the manager, director of football. There's no point in me working with that scout for six months if he goes into the meeting with the player, sorry, the meeting with the rest of the staff, and he's not got the respect or the pull on the manager and the chief executive, and he goes straight to the decision maker and instead of cutting out all the nonsense. So that can be difficult because there's so many people. The chief executives want to try and just simplify their job as much as possible. Simplify the manager's job. And so it just wants that if you can focus through the scout and then on to the Chiefs, exit, that's what they want to do. But just having the relationships with the key decision makers, the, the relationships they build with them is the most important thing. And the most important thing also is you need to have the players. Like I can't go in and have boys that are playing part-time football and try and sell them to Celtic. Like you need the top talent. It's recruitment is everything for an agency as well. You don't have the talent. If you don't physically represent them, have their names signed in a dotted line, and have the authority to go and work for on their behalf, then you're useless to them as well. You get no product for them.
0: So, how do you choose which players to represent?
1: So, I've got a couple of scouts that work for me as well. So I, I'm not just a one-man band. I've got a couple of scouts that will feed reports into me. They cover under-20s games. Uh, sorry, under-18s. I always call it under-20s. That's what I played in. under 18 <laughs> games. And then your fixtures as well. Uh, for instance, we've got Alex Bannon, who played, plays at Queen's Park. And I went and watched my boy Jay Henderson play against Queen's Park. And we, Jay, excellent as he always is. And I've seen this boy in the middle of the park. I thought, I really like him. Like, that's big, tall boy, 6'2", 16 years old, and he was dominating the whole match. But I didn't know anything about him. I didn't, you can't approach these young boys on Instagram stuff because that's be like approaching a minor and stuff. like It's just a no-go area. You mm. can't be doing that as an agent. because then become the agent that has got the bad rep that we just spoke about years ago. Like, we're trying to do it differently. So you'd then need a relationship with the parent and to be able to get in contact with the parent and then discuss things. So my, through my one-to-one company, a parent said to me, I've got a young boy that plays at Queen's Park that you might be interested in. He's, I have grew up with his dad. And I went, what's his name? And he goes, Alex Banner. I was like, I don't know if I know him. I went, what number is he, though? Because I remember a player. He was number six. And I was like, if that's number six, I was like, I want to speak to his dad. So I texted dad and said, listen, uh, I'm an intermediary. I've started an agency. I'm looking after emerging talent. I've seen your boy play. And I believe that I can get him an opportunity into a full-time club. It looks as though he can make the next step. And the dad was like, right, he's focused on his exams, right? Like playing it off, which is totally understandable. Focusing on exams, I don't even get to fill his head with nonsense and all this. I totally get it. So I said, we'll meet up in a couple of months' time. And then a couple of months came about and they were palming off the meetings. I said, that's fine, like don't worry about it, we can sort out later, but make sure you come in and chat to me. It's all I'm looking for, no pressures. And then they came in and every player that will come in and do a, a first initial meeting, a lot of agents will just meet them in a hotel and... Get them a coffee and say, show them a Rolex and go, I've done this deal, I've done that deal, I'll look after this player. Like you should come sign with me. And the boys will be like, Oh, that's unbelievable. Sign up, can I get a pair of predies? Like, that's it's not the way it should be working. No matter if you're representing Gareth Bale, that's no good for my career. If you're in Madrid doing Gareth Bale, like you're not thinking about me at Ross County. So, so it doesn't make sense. You need somebody that you trust and understands the point of your career and how they can add value to. It. So the boys will come in and with their parents. And when they come in, I've got an office in the town and they'll get looked after, teas, coffees, they'll sit down. And then I'll do a presentation on that player, a bespoke presentation on where he is right now, where I would like to get him to, and the steps that are going to get taken in place in order to get him to changing his body weight, changing this, his style of play, not coaching him. like That's not my job is to coach him. He's got enough of that through his coaches at uh, his team and then his dad is also coach as well like, that always happens when you get in the car your dad is your coach as well which is understandable because he's known you for so long um, and then at the end of the meeting they go I can't believe you've just spent all that time on that presentation about my boy the parents love it because they see how much I care about the player and how I can develop them and how I can help them out as much as possible so I've done that with Alex. And his dad goes, we would just come in for a chat, but where's the contract? And we'll sign it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so they signed straight away. And now we've got teams down in England looking at him. Uh, we've got some big clubs that are at the end of his contract are looking to bring him down on trial and stuff. So that's the role of an agent, is to show these players. Because he, in the meeting, young Alex is a fantastic young lad. And a lot of boys have had a contract where I said to the player, right, can you say, 18 years old, can you sign this? And he signed it, and I was like, I just need your address and all these different details. And he turned around and passed it to his mum. goes, can you sort that? And I was like, are oh, you kidding me on? Like, is the first time I'm going to sort that. You need to take responsibility of your life. Whereas <laughs> young Alex came in, 16 years old, and he was just talking away, asking questions. What can you do here? Like, what do you think of this? And at the end of the meeting, I said, listen, I've never had somebody come in and ask so many questions and you're the youngest boy that I now represent. It's, it's amazing to see. It's your career. At the end of the day, you need to ask these questions. Let's feel comfortable with each other. And then at 16 years old, he'll have the opportunity to go and play full-time football. He, at the point, asked the question of all these boys, like Reagan Thompson just went and sent me Newcastle. He's like, I think I can make the step, but I don't know if anybody's watching me. And like nobody tells me anything. I just go and I play. So it's my job to go get him that information. And at mm-hmm. that point, I then... Within a couple of weeks I've texted dad and said, just to let you know, don't throw hat Alex's head rubbish, but Celtic are watching them, Brighton are watching them, and Wolves are watching them. So let him keep performing, let him keep doing his thing because it he'll get there in the end. So that's the that's an amazing part of my job as well. It's that's a a real what job satisfaction is for me to now I'll get the information to that young boy that yes, you're doing great, like well done, keep it going. Let's go make sure that you don't get complacent. And you get the move that you're looking for, whereas he never had that opportunity in the first place. they didn't know if anything was going on. So, a um, uh, job satisfaction is a, a key role to what I'm doing right now. I love it. it. Really, do seem
0: like you really want to build that relationship with the player, which is, which again yeah. is, is is magnificent. It's really, really key. A lot of fans, again, with that perception of agents, oh, what, did, what do they do other than around transfer windows? So how, how often do you touch base with your players? What's your role when the, the season's underway and there's not really any kind of contract negotiations or uh, transfer sure. moves happening?
1: So, again, I'll keep, I keep saying this, varies, varies, but hmm. at the moment I'm on top of them because it's a lockdown. I don't want yep. them sitting on their Xboxes, not doing any runs. So I'm making sure, listen, if you've got a programme to follow, boys, like, make sure you're staying on top of it. Also, they're used to training every day. They're used to having that objective each day. Hopefully, mentally, they've not been like, oh, I'm feeling down about myself. I've not got a contract at the end of the year. All these different things start playing in their head. my head. I have not see my girlfriend in six weeks, and I feel down. So I'm just making sure that I'm motivating them and keep on top of them. And then over the course of the year, the agency role does change. During the summer, you're looking to get new contracts for your boys. If your boy has done amazing, you want to, and he's ready for the next step, then you want to try and sell him to a club and get him a move. If the the games are on, everybody's under contract, then it's more about recruitment. It's about if there's any players that come to the end of their representation contracts, that there's an option that they would like to come and sit down with us and get a chat. Any players that we're scouting, we go and look at and make sure that we're the, the option that they would like to go and sign with. And then for the player front, it's we might go and have a wee chat with them, at the start of the season, young Jay Henderson came in and you know like Jay is he's a, he's a golden, golden player. Yeah. I think he can go right to the very top. His dad's played with uh, all these different clubs, with Stranraer, Ross County, played hundreds and hundreds of games. So he comes from a good family that the dad understands and he's also the the Hurdleford manager. So a good footballing oh, yeah. family. So he gets it. Um the young Jay has got everything that his dad Hendel, never had. His dad was like getting sent off all the time, high temper, uh, middle of park, like a, a real bruiser. But whereas Jay is an attacking midfielder, elegant on the ball, uh, really, really talented player. He's got a contract for next year. His next step, um, sorry, at the start of the season, he came in. and said, "Well, how how did you get on? How are you enjoying it so far?" And he goes, oh, "I don't know if I'm I'm doing okay right now. I'm feeling a wee bit down." It's my job then as his advisor intermediary to make sure that I spend 45 minutes with him, motivating him, making sure, listen, when you leave this office, you've got one chance at this career. Like, Do not let yourself down. You're a talented player. I don't want you to come round to me in a year's time and you be like myself and be out of contract. Like, You've got to go and kick on now. His dad texts me after and goes, I don't know what you said to him, but he just came in the car feeling a million dollars. Eight weeks down the line, he's now been called up to the Scotland under 18 squads. So his whole, that's me motivating him and making sure Jay like kick on from here. You've got it. And then he goes into submitting with like maybe a new lease of life. Mm-hmm. And then Andy Webster and uh, Alan McManus, the guys that look after him will then see, Oh, he's doing well. Here we go. Let's kick him on again. And they're obviously two great coaches. Uh, so that's where a roving agent also comes in. It's like almost can be a big brother or another apparent figure that helps them as much as possible through the career. And then it also just comes down to simple things where the boy's on 150 quid a week. A pair of boots is 200 pounds. Like, there's more than a week's wages gone if the young lads wants a pair of boots, like once every six months, because they're playing on Astro and they keep getting dug up and they're falling a bit. So I would help them out there and I would get them a pair of boots. And it goes a long way to helping these young lads out in personal trainers, sprinkles, whatever it might be we'll make sure that we've got it sorted for them because I don't want those young boys at the end of their, you can only sign a player for two years. At the end of the two years as an intermediary, if they turn around to me and go, oh, you didn't do this for me? And I think to myself, no, you're right, I never. I don't want that opportunity. I want them to turn around and go, you've done absolutely everything. Like there's another representation contract. In 10 years time, we go, see that representation contract, don't worry about it because we've been to each other's weddings, we're close, like doesn't matter like we've got a a strong bond now that is that is the key thing is hopefully one day there's no contracts involved and it's just everybody trusts each other but you know what football's like (laughs) so that'll never happen
0: Uh, i was going to say what the best aspect of being a football agent is but then that would mean kind of finishing up on what the worst i don't want to finish on a negative so what's 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 the most difficult aspect you found over the last 14 months of working as an intermediary
1: um, most um, the most difficult. It's going to be keeping a hold of your players. That is going to be the hardest part. That nobody gets wowed away from you because somebody turns up in a Bentley and they've done a deal to Real Madrid and they now they want to sign your player. Or like Mino Raiola is always a big name that Lingard, Pogba, all these different players are signed to. If he turned up and approached one of my boys and they go, "Well, now I'm with Bradley Houseman who played with Patrick Thistle," and all <laughs> these so that's going to be the biggest thing is that and hopefully we grow them on stuff like that's what I want I want the biggest agency I want to be representing the best talent and I'm sure we'll go and do it it'll take time uh but when it comes to that point there's going to be uh points across the road that I've developed a talent after four or five years I've been looking after them and then somebody tries to swoop in at the last minute and try to take them away from me that's going to be a difficult part to take, um, so it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, but like that's that's life, isn't it? It's um, and every every step of every industry, people are always trying to get clients away from each other. You're fighting over uh, whatever it might be, contracts and stuff, trying to beat people to contracts. So it's just it's dog eat dog. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's a, a competitive market, but as you've probably explained so far through the podcast, the amount of value we're offering these players is unrivaled. The amount of hard work, the amount of services, the, the care, the attention. That's what a young a young athlete needs these days. Um, Not somebody that's just going to come in and do their contracts and then if they get let go, start ignoring their texts and stuff. Young, One player that signed with us was with a big agent and he, at the end of his contract, texts the agent and goes, listen, I might, I, they've offered me a new deal in my current club um, I'm enjoying it but I've scored 20 I've, I've scored a lot of goals this year can you look at other options for me and let's just see if we can get a bit of leverage and the agent takes back what position are you playing these days and how many goals did you score and the boys I like not hell and, and this is a big agent I wouldn't, I wouldn't name names but this is a big big agent that looks after a lot of players he's done a lot of big deals and will wow players away from him from stuff that he might say he's done for other players. Mm. But that's, I think that's embarrassing. When the player turns around and feels so small and be like, I've dedicated part of my... So when I was at, the, the boy might have been at Rangers. You cared about me then, but now I'm at a different level. Uh, it's still a high level, scoring a lot of goals. Now you don't care at all. You can't even take two minutes to go on your laptop and type in my name and realise how many goals I've scored and how many minutes. It's basic stuff. So the player then turns to a friend of mine, the player turned around and he goes, can you believe that text? And I said, well, how much are you looking for? Like, uh, what what number would you want to get in terms of a wage? And he goes, I'd be looking for that. So 24 hours later, I phoned him and says, I've got your club. I've got you the number you want to get. And he goes, you're kidding me on. And I says, no. And he goes, well, the agent I'm with right now, I'm going to have to just tell him that I'm going to leave. So he texts him and he goes, listen, Bradley's like, took 24 hours out of his day to sort something for me and you haven't even really got back to me, didn't care what position I played. Um, I think I'm like I'm going to let Bradley look after myself. And the guy takes back, probably best for everybody. <laughs> Do you <laughs> know what I mean? That's somebody you've spent four or five years with and built a relationship with that they don't care. Like, they really don't care. So I'm trying to get that point across to people. No matter if they've got Gareth Bale, it doesn't help your career. You need somebody that's going to really understand the... The, one your personality, everybody's different. The, the the surrounding you're in, your family, the area you're from, what your ambitions are. It's the simple thing it was, I look after Sam Jameson who currently isn't playing at the moment. But Sam got let go from his contract at Sumirin. I got back to and Sam all the time said to me, I want to go play abroad. I want to go play abroad. So when he got let go from Sumirin, organised a trial from in Iceland. Sorry, not Iceland, it was Czech Republic through a friend of mine, Jan Lokaj. So Jan drove to Poland, so he had to find, Jan drove to Poland, picked him up, and drove him all the way to the Czech Republic, and he went in on trial, and absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. Nobody was speaking any English. The manager, was just kind of, it was not meant to play the first game, and they were playing in front of like 10,000 people, and the manager started him. And after that, I know because it had to get like two different flights, 10 hour flight, he wasn't meant to play, the manager started him, and he didn't have his best of games. Um, So a week later, he wanted to cut the trial early, which is fine. Got him home. And then I said, right, okay, I've got your trial in Iceland now. And he goes, Bradley, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't thank you enough for your work. But he's like, I am not interested in playing abroad anymore. I've realised that like, it's not a part of my career that I need to go do right now. I want to go get a job. And then I want to go play part-time football. And then maybe I can walk my way back the ladder. It's my role to understand that and not be pissed Mm -hmm. off that I've just spent money on flights and all these different things, that's fine, it's a gamble I'm willing to take and support the player Um, but it's now now we're still close, I still look after him, he's not playing at the moment because he doesn't want to, he wants to go and just focus on the career and then he'll go play part-time football when the timing's right it's not my job to now disregard him and not care about him, still text him, still look after him, when he turns around and goes I want a part-time football club I'll sort it for him and there's no money in that. Like I don't, I don't get anything for that, but I'll just make sure that I've got a duty to the person that I've promised certain things to, that I'll follow up on that. And I'm, I'm a hopefully a man of my word at the end of the day.
0: To, to finish up on, yep. it, it does seem, everything you've said, you're really, really passionate about it. Is is that yep. kind of, the, the buzz of seeing your players doing well, was that kind of just replaced the enjoyment you had when you played
1: football? Totally. It's... When I get let like, go by Patrick Thistle, was 20, uh, twenty, twenty-one years old at the time or something? And you're not playing anymore on a Saturday. You're seeing boys that you've grew up with on Sky Sports News, team reports, or like he stood out man the match. And you're thinking, a couple of years ago, I was ahead of that player. Now he's went on and played a hundred senior games, and you're thinking, to yourself, like that's really pissed me off. Not pissed me off. I'm so happy for them because they've yeah. done amazing. And friends, like I've never feel that way. Like I'm delighted for them. But you think to yourself, like, where, where did that go wrong? I need my buzz again in a Saturday. And fortunately enough, like, I've got the head that that's a, a business. Business makes me buzz. Like, I enjoy doing deals, I enjoy building things, I enjoy helping people. And footballs can fall away, and Saturday buzz might go out and get steaming and going, like, doing things that they shouldn't have been doing as a young lad. Whereas now that I've started the agency, every Saturday that buzz is back. I'm making sure that the boys are playing you're enjoying it, even maybe a Tuesday and they're playing a reserve game, that they're, if they're doing well, I'm just, the buzz is back that you've got the hunger in your belly that you want them to go live the career that you wish that you had. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm like that parent now that's living the, the career through their dad <laughs> child. I'm living mine through the players, um, which is absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? Like I want them to go to the very, very top um, and then I'll experience that with them. There'll be nothing better that they, somebody walks out, captain in Scotland, and you're sitting there and think, I've looked after this player since he was 16. I remember sitting him in the office and we spoke about this 10 years ago that we were going on to go and achieve this for you. And we've done it. Somebody stepping out at English Premier League, like that is where the buzz will be.
0: Great, Will Bradley. Thanks very much yeah, for coming on the, on the podcast. It's been a fascinating insight. I'm sure all the listeners will will love the insight into agency and how you kind of progressed your way through. And yeah. I think well, the big thing that comes across your your passion, your dedication to every single one of your clients as well. So thanks very much Great. for taking your time to speak to us.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you, and good luck
0: with uh, your coaching and your uh, and your agency and this uh, this transfer window coming up.
1: Yes, you said it. You said it, and no, I appreciate you. It's, it's interesting to actually take the time and, and, and talk about things that, that interest you, but it's just a day to day life of myself. So when you reach out and say, Let's get a chat, like that's, that's humbling on my part as well that somebody actually enjoys the experience of talking about the agency game and building businesses. So I could talk about it all day long. So thanks for having us on, mate. No worries. And
0: uh, listeners can uh, find you on Instagram and Twitter, yeah. In Motion Sports Agency
1: in motion nice. sports agency and then the, the personal one is that i'm putting the podcast and all that mm. out that is bradley underscore in motion and the idea of that is to hopefully players and young inspiring entrepreneurs can see that i've stepped away from the football game built businesses and, and offer them value i've messages coming in all the time from young 16 17 year olds that want to go and become a football agent or they want to start the coaching stuff so Clearly, they're seeing that I've done something, and I can offer some value to them. So I'm pointing them in the right direction. Any advice they're needing, that I can help them out as much as possible. Perfect, and yeah, I would yeah. I would advise uh, advise
0: people to go and check out your podcast because it's got very interesting guests and a, a different look into the world of
1: football. Right, now appreciate that. Thanks for the plug, mate. That's very kind of you. No idea. <laughs> Sports Social
0: Podcast Network.